You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Euro 2024 qualifiers conclude this week. Here's a look at yesterday's results. England and North Macedonia, that one ends in a 1-1 draw. The Czech Republic punched their ticket to Germany after a 3-0 win over Moldova. And uh, Italy, by the skin of their teeth, a 0-0 draw. Uh, They are in. And there is one guy that we know is breathing a huge sigh of relief today, and that would be our good friend, Marco Messina. Hello, Marco. How are we feeling today? Have you recovered? Recover? I, I don't know. Those last <laughs> 10 minutes, I have, I had gray hair before, but I think I have double the amount now because it, it was, it was awful uh, ending to the game. But as you know, Italy and qualifying haven't always gone hand in hand. And we like to make life difficult for ourselves for whatever reason it is. It went down to the final minutes. There's the penalty controversy, but in the end, we're going to Euro 2024 and that's all that matters. Okay. Take me inside your head in those, those final few minutes when there was that, that call that it could have been a penalty. It could have been, but it was not called. I want you to to kind of walk me through what your thought process was. Were you Oof. thinking, oh God, hmm. here we go. Not again. What's happening? I'm, I'm just curious to kind of get your state of mind at that, at that point. Well, I can't say the words that I was thinking in my head <laughs> and that I was saying out loud on TV, but it was more so like we knew that this was going to happen, right? Because we played a great first half. We played a first half where, again, same problems of not being able to score when we have our opportunities. And what does that do when you leave teams in? You're like, oh, my God, of course, we left them in. And we've given them this opportunity to get back into a match where at a certain point in the game, we understood that even with a tie, we'd get through. Uh, you know, the penalty, uh, obviously, if it was against me, I would be so annoyed. I would be screaming that this is a penalty kick and Italy should have been given it. And when you have to watch it back a few times, I, I know even the Italian media was saying that it's not. They said that Modric, he dove, he, he, got, he, looked like he got electrocuted. He did. He did for dive. me, for, okay, fair. I'm just playing the opposite, right? If it was against me, I would be screaming that this is a penalty kick. I'm happy that it was not given, and there's been controversy online. Uh, so for me, it's not a penalty kick, but I understand that it's been a debate, and I spoke to Christina Uncle, and she thinks that it probably should have been given. No, I, 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 don't, I don't agree. There was uh, contact. Th- yes, but, but <laughs> it, it was a dive. Yeah, Because you have to look at the situation, and this for me is when referees, I think, need to improve because – Italy, we're we're controlling the game, and Ukraine are looking for those calls. They're trying to to put themselves in those positions to win a penalty because it's desperation. So as a referee, if it's not clear and obvious, you got to see the heels go up. And that, for me, is a signal of a dive. Um, Marco. He got the call right, the referee, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's what I'm I'm saying. I'm starting to like you guys. Man, I thought I was going to have to come here to fight. Don't go into it, I had a history lesson. (gasps) Hey, Marco, I'm curious. Watching this game, it was clear to me that Ukraine, super organized, right, defending with their lives on the line. It felt like just heroic defending. But for for Italy, Chiesa, as good as he is, there's just no presence in the box from Raspadori, who doesn't to me seem like a striker to me, and Scamacca, who comes in, and he's just a a second-rate striker, if you will, for that level. How How do Italy move forward? Like how, how do they get back to the success and, and glory days that, you know, we're used to seeing from, from a top Italian side? So I think we have to separate the two things, right? Because once Luciano Spalletti came in, he was put in an awful task. He had five days to train the team, and Mancini left him in a really bad situation. And Spalletti's football, as you guys saw last year with Napoli, it's beautiful, 
but it takes time. So he sort of had to just grind this out. And he even said after the match, now the fun can start. Now we can start to build. So we haven't seen the best of Italy yet. And we've struggled against teams that play a low block. Charlie, you said it, and it's been in opposite games. When teams are not open, we don't have those creative players like Italy used to have in the past. And we sort of had to be resourceful in getting the entire team to play good football and the entire team to score goals. You said it, though. We don't have a striker. Raspadori's a second striker. He's had to come in as a false nine because we don't know who our best striker is. Immobile was a starter for a long time. He's not even getting called up at this point. Skamaka, he's shown really good things. But he had one of the worst second halves I've ever mm -hmm. seen from an Italian player. And honestly, this is coming from somebody that I love Skamaka. I know the ability he has. He was god-awful in the second half. He didn't even do the thing that he was supposed to do, which is hold up the play, waste a little bit of time, allow the midfielders to drop in. He couldn't do anything. And Luciano Spalletti, you saw him at the final whistle, went over to him and said, you need to wake up. This is a wake-up call for a lot of our guys because at times our only tactic is let's send the ball to Chiesa, who was forced to even defend at some point. So am I saying that it's brilliant? No. But it's, it's a good point that we need to get just past this group stage, this qualifying stage, which we tend to struggle with. And we need the time for Spalletti to do his magic, to work what he's, what he's done best, which is as a team play, we need to overcome some of the lacks of individual quality that we don't have. Marco, as absolutely terrible as Italy have looked at times, uh, obviously not qualifying for two World Cups in a row, you're walking into this situation where you just barely qualified, but you're also the defending champions of these Euros. I saw, I saw the same thing you saw, which is uh, Spalletti saying, now the fun begins. Translate that for me. What is he going to do with this group of players that is going to provide that fun, that is going to elevate Italy to that next level where they can defend this title? So I think last year was a really big wake-up call. Spalletti was always seen as the guy that can never win. He could build good teams. He can make players play better than they were before, but he can never win. And he finally overcame that hump. And I think a lot of you and everyone was basically saying Napoli played the best football uh, in the world, right, or in Europe at certain times. That's what he's going to bring to this Italy side. It's, it's a team game. It's the passing. It's the movement. It's the type of possession that we want to be able to play that we haven't seen yet. And you see it with some of his selections. He doesn't know who his best players are. He doesn't know who should even be starting. He put Buongiorno from Torino as a starting center back yesterday, which nobody could even believe that that was going to happen. It's going to take a little bit of time, but slowly that's what Spalletti brings. And he's also a master, like a true master of not just the tactic side, but connecting a fan base to a team. He gets everyone to feel, uh, feel alive. I love Italy. I didn't know I could love Italy anymore. But when you listen to the words that he says, the connection, he's even involved Italians from abroad saying, we need to get them involved into this game. We need to make Italy have fun again. We need to make everyone just absolutely love the national team, which I know for many people, that's, that seems like nothing. That's like, all right, it's given. But it's really not. A lot of the enthusiasm of the last year was lost under Mancini, who was just constantly complaining about the lack of selections we have in Italy and, oh, I have to go abroad to find talent. Valetti sort of brought things inwards and he's sort of been like a philosopher. So it's all those things that we're looking for with Luciano Spalletti, which sound great on paper. He's got the qualification. Now we want to see it put into action in the Euro. Okay, so Marco, what I'm taking away from what you just said is that you believe Spalletti is the guy to kind of take Italy back to where they once were. If you had to, if you had to give a grade for what he has done so far with this particular group, what grade would you give him? Okay, so obviously when you look at the results, they haven't been great, right? We tied North Macedonia, which was our boogie team. Then we beat them as well. We lost to England, but we did play a good first half. Uh, and then we tied Ukraine, which was not great. So results-wise, that doesn't look good. But when you take into context that this guy was thrown into a situation where five he had five days to train a team, and he needs more time than that. He was thrown into an awful situation where Mancini just left us for dead going to Saudi Arabia and accepting <laughs> that money. I think that he did an amazing job. Like, it, it'll sound crazy for me to give him an A, but it just it's like a pass or fail. He passed. He got through this difficult stage. He went ag against teams that were hard for us to beat. I hear you guys laughing in the background. Did I really don't even care a? if you're laughing or not. He Why? said, he said we, played, we played a good half. Uh, we lost here. We lost here. Uh, we drew to North drew, Macedonia. But uh, we, I give him an A. No, uh, Marco. Yeah. I wish you were my teacher in high school, Marco. Mar Marco, what I will say, though, I, I, I know the results haven't been great, but in watching how they played 
in that first half yesterday, and like you said, the first half uh, against, against England, there's a style coming back. You could tell Jorginho gets on the ball. Barella look, looks good. He looks and does engaged. nothing afterwards. Di, Di Marco. <laughs> I was going to say, Jorginho's like 32. I right? know, but I mean, in terms of controlling the game, like back when the, we saw the Italians in the 90s, early 2000s, controlling the game, or being organized, tough to break down, I felt that, oh, wow, they're getting their identity back under Spalletti. But they don't have a striker. That's a big issue because you can be as good as you want, but if you don't have any controlling presence, a player who can hold up the play- ball, a player who can score, then, then you Probably you, get you, in behind to play you, with the You're never going to get ahead. Make a channel run. So, uh, Harley, but to that point, then don't you give Spalletti even a better grade? The fact that we don't have that player, he's had to no, that, invent Raspadori to that, that position? That's why I'm saying I understand where you're coming from in terms of giving him such a high grade because he has brought to me, an identity back to this Italian national team. They just haven't been able to get over the hump because of the, the lack of a position. Of giving yes, he's on the way. So it, he gets a positive grade. And A, I think A is a, is a little... If, if you read into the whole thing, I think you, you did make a good point, though, Charlie, and I forgot about this, but Chiesa said it after the, the North Macedonia game where we won 5-2. It's that we have a different identity now. We have a different idea. It's that we need to be proactive in our game. We need to go out and try to score that next goal, which is something that you can't always say about an Italian team, right? And we have to develop, and we have to get to where modern football has been. That takes time. He had to just get through this stage, and then we'll be able to give him the the positive grade. If you take everything into context, it is. I think it's really amazing what Spalletti's done in such a short time. Marco, I love your positivity, and I think that is an entirely fair assessment with the pass fail. I 100% agree. I'm it's on board. Contagious. I did. Hey, Marco, yes. I give you an A for this segment. How about that? <laughs> it doesn't mean much considering what you already just said. <laughs> you got the vibes. with flying colors. Oh, Marco, I'm, I'm happy for you, my friend. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us this morning. Thank you. See you guys. I'll see you at the Euros. Love you, Marco. <laughs> That's a second yellow. I'm giving you a second yellow for that kiss. We love him. All right, um, we're going to take a break. We are going to uh, dive further into the U.S. men's national team and their result against Trinidad and Tobago coming up after a quick timeout. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Uh, So pleased to have you with us this morning. We are going to dive a little bit further into the U.S. men's national team. Uh, They played the second leg of the CONCACAF Nations League quarterfinals last night against Trinidad and Tobago. It was a 2-1 loss. They do advance 4-2 on aggregate. We talked a lot about the Sergio Dest situation and his sending off, uh, but we didn't really hit on the tactical side of this match. And Charlie... I know you took a little bit of umbrage with the way this team was set up in the formation that Greg Berhalter put out. Can you elaborate for us? Y- yes, uh, considering the, the first match, right? So you see Trinidad and Tobago have just zero care in attacking in that first match. There, there was no impetus from, from Trinidad and Tobago. They said, we're going to just defend with 11 in our own box. At halftime, I would have expected for Greg Berhalter to go into a two-striker system with Ricardo Pepe and Balogun at halftime. No, there's no wait because we know they're not attacking us. They might counter with one player, right? We'll defend that one player with two center backs. Everyone else, play, use the width. Kevin Paredes, I think, and, and, and Anthony Robinson were, were taking up the same space. You didn't have too many players playing in between the lines, and I think the tactics were wrong in that first game. But he made some adjustments late. They got the 3-0 win. So you honestly can say water under the bridge because the result, you won 3-0. Now, going to Trinidad, up 3-0, why would you start with two strikers on the road 
in a game that's already done. They're knowing that they have to change their tactics. They have to come. Especially so, in CONCACAF. Regardless, okay, you go with the two strikers. You do with a new system. I think at that point, when, Gio, uh, when Des gets the red card, that you don't go and take off Gio Reyna, who was on a minutes. Uh, obviously, there is some limitation of, of how long Gio Reyna could play, right? But don't take off a midfielder to put on a right back, and then you shorten the midfield because now you're playing a 4-2-2-2-2 when I think you take off a striker to solidify the midfield. So that, for me, was a big issue because you kept your two strikers, you took off a midfielder, now you have this big vacant hole in the midfield, so second balls were apparent, the two strikers they hadn't played together, so there was no symmetry between the two or chemistry. I like that Balogun would come out and try and pull players out of position. He was playing some great passes in that first half. I think we squandered chances. But if you're looking at the whole setup, the substitutions, I think Luca Della Torre didn't really have a presence whatsoever. You didn't sub him until the 90th minute. If I'm Leonard Maloney and I get subbed on in the 93rd minute, if, you're, if I'm the manager who's telling Leonard Maloney. Who? Lennon Maloney. Thank you. Giving him an opportunity to, to play. In this game, you're really putting me on the 93rd minute. I would, I, I, it would irk me a little bit. I understand it's the national team, but it would still irk me a little bit considering how the game played out. But to, to your point, take risks at home. Do the two-striker system. If you want to shake things up, do the two-striker system at home. But on the Con- in CONCACAF, in the Caribbean, where there's so many things that can go wrong, so many unpredictable moments that can happen. How about like a red cap, card? Like a red card. And then you know what? Hmm. That was the time to adjust. And on top of that, I think the U.S. shouldn't have lost to the 99th best team in the world no. on a red card. You, you lock up shop, you adjust, and you hold the game out. Their players, they have some players playing in third-tier leagues we have players playing in champions league we shouldn't be losing to trinidad and tobago despite the man disadvantage it was the the way that the game was taken care of it it didn't show maturity or experience mm-hmm. from the manager no uh, so you know there's 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 two buckets here one right the players need to produce and perform you're playing against trinidad knowing the history of this match 2017, you, you'd say, let's send a message so this, this, the remnants of that result are gone. Bye-bye. We don't play with that anymore. It's gone. And I felt that not only did the players underperform, but from the manager's standpoint, to get that, you have to manage the, the emotions of the squad to get, make sure that they're playing with a real intensity and purpose. Mm-hmm. And you never quite felt that, especially after the red card. You come in at halftime, you say, guys, we're going to rally. We're going to play the best half of, of my, my tenure this half. This next 45, we're going to send a message we're even better with 10. In spite of Serginho, we're going to play better now. So... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a little bit more of uh, a pragmatic style defensively, mm. but we're going to counter like hell against this team because they're going to have to come and we're going to punish them. Did you see that nope. from not them like, in that second half? Nope. Did you see that fire? Did not. And, no. and I think that's what is, for me as a former player, I'm discouraged when I don't see that fire. And I know there's no Weston. I know there's no Christian. I know there's not, no Tyler Adams. I know not, that. Not you got to put that aside sure. because that does not matter in this situation. It's not against the Trinidad and Tobago. No disrespect to Trinidad and Tobago, but we have the players to beat them, even without a Sergio Des. My question to you is: you, if you know Giorena essentially must come out at that time, if, if what they're saying is true, and that he was maybe being limited with minutes. There was a limit restriction. Sure, but if that's the case, you remove him. You're already down a player. You know Balogun is checking back, so he's essentially taking space in the midfield. Definitely not the number 10 you want. But he, if you know he's doing that, they're not necessarily both staying up front, him and Pepe. Who would you bring in in that opportunity, knowing you also probably want to get another defender up there to at least just hold the fort and say, let's walk out of here without giving up the aggregate lead? What, what decision do you make there? Because I do think Scali provided something good when he came on, and I get that, that maybe that's not the exact like kind of exchange. I, I still think Scali provided something coming onto the pitch. But no, you, you have to replace your right back. 
Sure. Just from from a a organization standpoint, you ha you have to be organized, and so you're getting right back because your right back gets sent off. Sure. But you don't take off a midfielder mm -hmm. right. when you're playing off two. But if you know you have to take that midfielder off, no, what do you do? If you make take him off at halftime. No, you don't. Well, we said he was in a minutes restriction. Do we know exactly what those minutes are? Okay, let's just say it's 45. Then, yeah, you can make that decision You finish at half. at half. Sure, but let's say it's not. Let's say that you was You take that. off a striker. You're playing with two. Knowing you also have off. to take Gio Reyna off is what I'm saying. Right. And, then, yes. and then at halftime, okay. if just say the, the sub was a halftime sub for, for Gio, you, all right, you give him those last three minutes, you bring on Scali, put your right back where or the right back is to play, fill that void, and then, fine, if you need to take Gio Reyna off, take him off and put no, but Tillman, Tillman on. Tillman is the only one that can you're, really you're come gonna, in and You're going to tell does. me Scali was going to come in for Gio at half? No, no, no. No, no. I'm no. saying we know, I wanted Scali in. I'm, I'm just so, saying I'm trying to play devil's advocate or at least yes. put you in the position of being coach. If you know you have to take, if that's the, if that's the variable, you have to remove Reyna at this moment. It's unfortunate that a red card just happened. Right. Do you make those two subs or do you try to hold on for the next few minutes of that? Of the first half with just Scali and no number 10 in that place. What you're doing is, Sergino comes off. Mm -hmm. So you have to bring on a right back. Right. You Boom. have to put him on. So Scali was naturally your backup yeah. right back. Yeah. But what I'm telling you is, when you're subbing off a player, you don't sub off Gio Reyna. You don't sub off a midfielder. Yes. You sub off a striker. You have an extra striker you're playing with two. You don't need two to beat Trinidad and Tobago. Mm. You need just one. So you keep Pepe or you keep Balogun. You make one, you make a decision and you sub them off. And then at halftime, you adjust. Correct. You say, okay, Giorina, you knew you were on a minutes restriction, you come off. Now we play on Leonard Maloney. Leonard Maloney. See, this is a defensive-minded midfielder Correct. who gets right. an opportunity Correct. to shore up the midfield because you say what we're down a man, we're not going to concede a goal. If we win 1-0, we win 1-0, and we wrap it up. It's CONCACAF, we're on the Correct. road. That's it. But that wasn't the case. And we haven't even touched on Matt Turner. Okay, yep. Matt Wait. Turner, is, his time. form is not there. His confidence, his form. We talked about the ball. There's a ball in behind. I thought Matt Turner would come out. And he stayed in his net. There's a lot to discuss. The um, Jones goal also we, also, we got to talk about. We're going to have a mailbag. On the other side, guys, we are literally just scratching the surface of this U.S. men's national team conversation. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus. Welcome back. CONCACAF Nations League quarterfinals. Panama taking on Costa Rica. They win into the second leg with a 3-0 lead. Let's get into some highlights from this game starting in the 20th minute. And you can see just they were cooking Panama right here. Jose Fajardo getting into the box. Yeesh. He gets that rebound right at the penalty spot oh. and smashes it. He's been excellent for Panama as a, as a striker here. 10 just goals and 42 caps. Incredible contact there and just the celebration. They were, they were flying. And this goal by Jose Luis Rodriguez, I don't know if it's a shross, but he definitely <laughs> meant to put it oh, oh, close to frame in the danger area and anything can happen. Panama has had this beautiful resurgence. And remember what we were talking about on Thursday with the civil unrest and everything? Mm -hmm. How important this is for the Panamanian public. And I, I want to give a shout out to Thomas Christensen, the coach. Tomas Christensen, he's been phenomenal. And then this is a PK. All right, was, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, he, he, he was, was watching Mikhailo Mudrik. <laughs> <laughs> and Barcelona steps up and just calmly finishes, no problem. Well done. And it's 3 0. Huge. Well, Panama advance, uh, they win 6 1 on aggregate. Mm. Well done. Panama. Oh. Let's go. Undefeated in the last They got a great manager. Seven? Just, I, I remember in this past Nations League semifinals um, and, and then third place match, you just felt that they had great 
possessions of play, especially in the midfield. Coco Carasquilla is just phenomenal. I, I just don't see how Houston can keep a hold of this kid. Mm. He is so talented. He can kind of do whatever the games need. He can play a little bit more defensive. He can be more of a number 10 and creative, box to box, uh, very calm on the ball, poised. Uh, this team has a different dynamic, and they were missing a number nine. And it seems like Jose Fajardo is just coming in and, and, and doing his job, scoring goals, being a creator. The, the midfield has been able to kind of move around and mm -hmm. It's just a very impressive display. Yeah. MLS no, is a selling league, though. I don't think they want to hold on to them. Get that money up. Get that Houston Dynamo money. Um, all right, guys, we're going to transition to uh, our mailbag. Are you ready, Charlie Davies? Because we've yes. got some questions for you. Are we going to show the graphic again just for fun? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Um, all right. Our first question comes from Susanna C., Ooh, okay. Ooh. So gonna see. I have no, no, no relation, no relation. Um, the question is, Charlie, how concerned should we be about Matt Turner and the goalkeeper position for the U.S.? Very concerned. <laughs> very. very. Very concerned. Very. Yes, because think of the U.S. women's national team in history, right? We had Tony Miola, then you had Friedel. Keller, Tim Howard, Brad Guzan. There's always been competition. We've always been strong in that position. Matt Turner is now the backup currently at Nottingham Forest. He left Arsenal. He left being a, in a place where you're competing for Champions League and the Premier League and having a real battle with Ramsdale to now being second fiddle at Nottingham Forest where you went to be the number one. So you lost, the, the coaches lost confidence in you because of your form. Who's number two? Do you go to Ethan Horvath, who's 19 years old and has conceded 28 goals in Belgium for the 12th place team Eupen? Or do you Gaga go? Slonina. Huh? You said Ethan Horvath. I was going to say. I was, I was, say, I was like, Ethan Gaga Horvath is 19. Sorry, Gaga uh -huh. Slonina or Ethan Horvath, who is your third string at Nottingham Forest, who doesn't touch the pitch. Doesn't so, even make the team sheet sometimes. So there's no competition. And, and Matt Turner is clearly not in form and, and out of confidence because he's making mistakes that he typically doesn't make. And, and it goes back to that game against Liverpool where he, he conceded three goals and all three, you felt like, ah, oh, that's, that, that's not a typical Matt Turner uh, How did you feel about his there. performance last night? I, I, it was shaky. Yeah. I mean, the first goal, similar to that Nottingham Forest goal against Liverpool where he's too close to his near post and He's getting beat as his near mm -hmm. post. He's, he's falling backwards as the ball goes in. So that's the, the first goal he concedes. And for Cam Carter-Vickers, I think for any center back, you're, you're pushing the attacker to the outside angle because you're saying, you're not going to beat my keeper near post. I'm going to make it easy for my keeper to read the shot. So it's got to be a phenomenal rocket to beat him. Here, right here, Cam Carter-Vickers, he, he's on the... It, you're saying, there's no way you're beating my keeper from that spot. Yep. Yeah. So he gets beat at his near post. He's falling down in that goal. Yeah, and then the second awesome one, playing. the free kick, I, <laughs> internally, I, I thought, oh, this could be a goal. Just like we saw in 2017. Matt Turner had position. He was there. He was there. His hands were there. It dipped to him. Matt Turner's quality the reason why I think from Europe they saw him and said, all right, let's take a gamble on you, first and foremost was a shot stopping. Yep. He was a very good shot stopper in Major League Soccer. And then from the distribution perspective, all right, there's potential there for, for it, it to transform into something else. Mm -hmm. But when you're not showing your bread and butter in a game like this, it is concerning. Yep. But, but he's, he's, he's still the clear one because there's no competition. Okay. That's the issue I have. Susanna C., thanks you for your Thank you, complete, complete answer. <laughs> All right, let's get to our next question. This is from uh, Jose Bechera Zamora. He wants to know, who is the king of CONCACAF? Is it Mexico or the United States? Is this even a question? Yeah, I mean, Me Mexico ha handed the, the, the throne to, to the United States a while ago just because of, I mean, Nations League... This past Nations League, it was clear and obvious that the U.S. are, are far superior, and Canada are far superior to, to Mexico. But at, at the moment... Mexico won um, the Gold Cup, by the way. Yeah, but at the moment, the U.S. have, have the, the crown. What if Mexico wins Nations League? Ooh. Who's king of CONCACAF well, then? we got to wait till March then. 
We're talking right now. Oh. oh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So we have two nations. <laughs> Don't get me. Who wins in 2026? <laughs> I like I like this next question. Uh, this is from HR Prima. Wants to know how much longer does Burhalter have before it's put up or shut up? Oof. Well, spicy. This this was Matt Crocker's first hire, right for the U.S. Men's National Team, and. He's got a long, he's got a runway, right? So you have the Nations League semifinals and finals in March and Copa America's right after. You're going to get a good sense after that Nations League which way it's trending. Because Copa America, like we've all said, because there's no World Cup qualifying, is going to be the benchmark to know, can you go forward with Greg Berhalter as the manager or do you have to make a change? Because that change will give the next manager enough time to make the adjustments to compete in the 2026 World Cup. So ultimately, everything hangs in the balance after that Copa America result. And, and that's, that's what we should all expect, no matter who's the manager. Because you have to see, do we have confidence in this group to be, to be managed properly? Are they making the right tactical adjustments? Are you getting the most out of this group with the, the emotional output? When they come onto the pitch, are they playing with the right intensity, the right pride? I think after that World Cup in, in Qatar, you felt pretty confident that the group is going in the right direction. That they're missing some few pieces, but you need to go a whole nother level after, at Copa America to compete against Brazil, Colombia, and Argentina, to say the least. Berhalter needs to show adaptability, which he hasn't for most of his tenure. His subs have been like for like, mm -hmm. and it doesn't show a change in the team. And against teams from Commonwealth, he's good against top teams. He needs to show adaptability, which he hasn't shown yet. All right, uh, we are going to move along to our next question. This one is from Ryan Santos Twin 2, I believe. And <laughs> I think I'm reading that right. It's hard when they're all scrunched together. Um, but he wants to know who played the best and what was your favorite moment? I'm assuming this is from the match last night. From last night. Yes, correct. Yeah, I mean, the best moment was Serginho Des crossing to Anthony Robinson to get that goal. So uh, Serginho Des played the best. Thank you for asking. Next one. No, <laughs> I, I'd say... Probably Yunus Musa was safe throughout the match. It was, and it was just safe. It was an average performance. Everyone else played well below uh, par. And so it's one of those games where you say, yeah, tactically and player selection wasn't up to par, the adjustments, but the players themselves didn't play the way they needed to play to get nope. a result. It was another lethargic match. Yeah, it was. All right. Uh Another question. This is from Central Boy, and this is uh, about Champions League. Who are the favorites? Who are the favorites in Champions League this year? I, I think there's there's two, and it's obviously Manchester City, the defending champions, but Bayern Munich. But that from those two for me are the clear cut favorites uh, in, in this version of the Champions League. You know, they got 12 points. Um, Bayern Munich get Manuel Neuer back, and I think that was a, a big weakness, the goalkeeper position, because they addressed the striker position, which was Harry Kane. And now Harry Kane has Kingsley Coman, uh, Serge Gnabry, Leroy Zane. I mean, options to play off of. So Manchester City, you have Pep Guardiola and you have Holland. <laughs> you, you're never going to count them out. But I think Bayern Munich are, are the true... Um, is going to be the true uh, challenge to the Champions League. Interesting. You think, does City have a chance to repeat? Oh, for sure. Yeah. But I think Bayern are, are really the, are going to be the team to, to challenge. Harry Kane's going to win a trophy? Imagine. Get out of here. Imagine. Stranger no, things call. have happened. <laughs> do, Crazy. Do you, do, you, do you see a, another challenger besides Bayern Munich to Manchester City? I think Inter Milan gets a shout. They're playing extremely well in Serie A. They've really solidified their defending. Mm, yeah. Latoro Martinez is playing out of his skin. They get a shout, but top tier, you said it, Ace, uh, City and, and Bayern. It's going to be fun. All right, we're going to take another break. Um, we are looking ahead to today's CONCACAF Nations League quarterfinal matches when we return. Guys, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the South Side. 
Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Welcome back to Morning Footy. Um, here's a look at today's uh, CONCACAF Nations League matches to look forward to. We've got that Mexico-Honduras match tonight at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on 2DNA. Uh, but the big one, guys, you've got a footy freebie coming your way right hey. here on the Galazzo Network. Let's go. Canada taking on Jamaica, 7.30 p.m. Eastern streaming right here on the Galazzo Network. We love a footy freebie. All right, let's chat uh, Canada-Jamaica first. We, we kind of dove deep on these teams yesterday, but when we look at the second leg, Nico, how do you see this one going? What's your score prediction? <laughs> Maybe Canada gets it done at home. I would be, I would be very happy for Canada considering everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. 2-1 for Canada. Charlie. That sounds like a great scoreline. Andre Blake is tough to beat, so you know, having it be a lopsided scoreline, I don't see that happening. I see 2-1, two, two, Toronto. Mm-hmm. I mean, Canada, sorry. Toronto. <laughs> Looking at it the Toronto, Toronto behind you, yeah. That's only fair. Um, I think the rest of Canada will also take part in the match, uh, not just the city of Toronto. And I do think, I think it'll be, I think it'll be 1-0. Okay. Uh, Canada hasn't lost, I think, in the last three matches to Jamaica. So I stopped the trend now. Yeah, I was going to say 1-0 for me. There you go. Yeah. Oh, no one has Jamaica. No. It's no, two, I don't know why. What's the, what's the aggregate? What was the score last time out? Uh, it was 2-1. Two, 2-1. Two, two, one. They have the away goal. 2-1. Yeah. 1-0 one, puts Jamaica. Oh, no. Canada has the away yeah. goal. Never mind. Yeah. I mean, it's just Leon Sorry, Bailey needs to, needs to be big for Jamaica okay. in this game. All right. He's, no Michaela Antonio. You know, it's, it's going to be a tough game for Jamaica. 1-0 one, one isn't good enough for Jamaica is what I meant to say. Okay. Right. What about the other quarterfinal matchup? Mexico, Honduras at the Azteca. How's Nico, this one Nico, we adjusting. Honduras, two nil in first leg. Now my heart's my heart says one one. <gasps> okay. So Honduras, Mexico out. Out, which would be catastrophic. Catastrophic. Mm-hmm. They can't concede. Mexico can't, cannot right. concede. Mm-hmm. You know that Honduras is going to look to counter. They're going to play through the counter, be s- super strong defensively. Try and get that set piece or counter. One goal, uh-huh. and I think it's Sayonara. They need to score, though, I think. I say 1-1. One, one. I was going to say 1-1. One, one. Yeah. So none of us have Mexico winning? He hasn't said his prediction yet. No, I haven't. I'm just, I, I find it hard to count out Mexico in this situation. So say it. Say it. But if Honduras scores, it's done. I, think, I think Mexico will go through. Ooh, 2-1? 2-0 mm. uh, then? Whether it's 2-0 and they go into... Penalties, or I see Mexico going through. Oh, my goodness. Very exciting. Uh, Both of those matches tonight. Guys, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we are chatting with Columbus Crew head coach Wilfred Nancy ahead of their big conference semifinal matchup against Orlando this weekend. Stick around. We'll be right back. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. The Columbus Crew hosting Atlanta United in the decisive match of their round one best of three series. Given away by Robinson. This is Nadby. This time fires and scores. Garland to Nadby. And the Crew off and running in this decisive game three. Here's Amundsen. Malte Amundsen gives it a go. Rossi, playing across, Alex Baton, make it three! The crew are absolutely flying, they're going to Disney World! Welcome.
Welcome back. We're following the international break. MLS Cup playoff action returns this weekend with conference semifinal matchups on tap in the West on Sunday. We've got Houston taking on Sporting Kansas City and the Seattle Sounders will face LAFC. And then on Saturday, Eastern Conference semifinals, Cincinnati versus Philadelphia and Orlando City will take on the Columbus crew. And right now we are absolutely thrilled to welcome in the head coach of the Columbus crew, Wilfred Nancy. Hello, Coach. How are you this morning? I'm good. And you, guys? We are wonderful. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Um, okay, so it's been, it's going to be about two weeks since you guys last played against Atlanta. Um, we had this nice little international break in between uh, the MLS Cup playoffs. And for you, do you see that time off? Has that been a good thing or a bad thing? Like, is it almost like you've got too much time to prep? Or, are, you know, how does, that, how does that work from a coaching perspective? Uh, honestly, um, it's been a, a difficult, uh, difficult stretch, you know, because we played the three games. So I would say emotionally, this is good to have this break. But uh, in terms of uh, uh, keep the rhythm, this is not easy. This is not easy. So for me, I think that uh, with the team and with my staff, we use this break to, uh, to refresh and to be able to, uh, to go back on the basic stuff. And uh, it's all about freshness now. But um, I would say that emotionally, it's been a good way to, uh, to stop a bit. But uh, the rhythm, yes, we need the, to keep the rhythm. So I am in between with that. Wilfred, I've been impressed with you from you know, your, your early days in Montreal, just how you've been able to build off of uh, working under Thierry Henry and the influence that you, you've, you've kind of taken from him and the style of play, empowering your players, allowing them to play with freedom, and then going to Columbus in a, in a uh, you know, a tricky situation where you had some players, but the team needed, uh, I think, to be reshaped. And all of a sudden now, it's almost like you don't want to play the Columbus crew. You, you, got, you got Matan playing at a whole nother level. Again, your man management and the style of play has is, is been incredible. Uh, how much have you taken from Thierry being a, an assistant under him and his influence considering um, how you've been able to build off of that back three and playing through the midfield and, and empowering your, your attackers? No, listen, Thierry, Thierry it's all about... Uh... Uh, the competition. What I've learned about Thierry, I knew him as a, as a player. We played together against each other, sorry, when the, around the 17 years old. So I knew him before, and after that, I was happy to, uh, to, uh, to work with him, obviously. Uh, Thierry, this is, the, this is the passion about the game, and, 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 and for me, this is all about uh, the way he was able to give me uh, uh, a sense of how to compete every day. So what we've done with my staff is uh, during the week, we have a day that we call it Compete Day. And uh, it's all about uh, uh, um, try to push the boundaries. And uh, it could be the tactical element, it could be the technical element, it could be the mental element. So, and uh, in the way we play is really, really important because yes, we give freedom, but we give freedom within a structure. We cannot, it's impossible to have creativity without the structure. So the idea is to give them clear concepts about the way we want to play. And within that, they have to express themselves, but with a purpose. So that's why this is not easy as a coach, because uh, sometimes I can be vulnerable, you know, but uh, I think that this is the best way for my player to embrace and to, uh, to be good with that. Well, it's sensational work that you've done. And clearly there's a structure, because halfway through the season, you lost not only one of your best players, you lost one of the best players in the league. And when Celarajan left, Diego Rossi comes in, and you guys have not skipped a beat, Wilfred. What's been the key for that transition from Lucas to, I guess, Diego? Obviously, it's not the same role, and you get different things out of the players, but that transition between having the Lucas and post-Lucas seems so seamless. Uh, this is the vision. This is the vision about the, the clarity of the way we want to play. Uh, Lucas is a, he's really good. He's one, he was one of the best players in the league. And when I came in uh, Columbus, I was so happy to coach him. But uh, after that, opportunity came. And uh, I think that uh, uh, for the future and, uh, and also about what we wanted to do, 
So with the front office, we 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 worked really really well, really well. And uh, the idea was to stick to the vision and to uh, we identify profile about what we want. And uh, and again, the, yes, individual players are really important, but we use the quality of each player for the collective. And for me, the collective is the most important. So they have to fit within what we need to do, what we want to do. But at the same time, we need a specific profile because it's really important uh, with uh, my players that they are able to express themselves with their quality. So that's why clear vision, clear identity. And uh, and again, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. For the moment, it's okay. And uh, I'm happy. Uh, Wilfred, I think you've done an incredible job. And in reference to what you're talking about in, in giving freedom to the player, but having them be a specific profile, you chose to come to North America. You went to University of Quebec. You've seen the development of players from that time to now. How close do you think the U.S. or, or North America in general is to developing that style of player that you specifically want, someone who can play with the ball at their feet in all positions? This is the future for me. And I'm not saying that because I'm, I'm here. Uh, because I remember when I started to coach, I was an assistant coach maybe uh, 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 10 years ago. I don't remember exactly. So I can see the big difference between the quality, tactically, about all the aspects of the game. And, uh, and, uh, and now there is a... To prepare the game, to prepare a game, this is not easy because there is a lot of tactical flexibility. And uh, nowadays, the, the quality of the players is not the same. The, the, the league is uh, younger. And, uh, and we can see that there is a really good players. And uh, all the time when I see new players coming from Europe, they're struggling. Because, yes, the, 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 the MLS, the travel and everything, this is not the same. But also with the repetition, the consistency that they have to, 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 to do every time. So for me, the league is, is moving forward in the right direction. And I'm not surprised that there is a lot of American players and also Canadian players that they play overseas because uh, the, the, all the, the scouting people, they know that quality is here. And uh, this is in terms of uh, 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 money-wise, it could be a good uh, investment. So I'm not surprised with that. Wilfred, you have been in the, in the discussion for Coach of the Year in two consecutive years in two different clubs, right? But you're, you are now the only active head coach that is black in Major League Soccer, the only one. You're a role model, just in the style of play, but also now as, as a black head coach, what does that mean to you in terms of maybe possibly opening up doors in the future and, and continuing to be a role model to say, hey, there's, there should be more of us leading uh, these MLS uh, organizations? When you said that, I just had goosebumps because uh, obviously this is really important for me. For the, for the people who knows me, I know that um, I don't do this job to win because it's normal to, to want to win because this is a competition. I do this job also to create a story, to create memories and to aspire, to inspire people with a lot of humility because this is the way why I, 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 I'm doing this job is because I want to give uh, emotion and I want to open the door about all kind of people. And for me, it was not easy. It was not easy, for sure. Uh, but uh, I like to educate. I try to educate my son and my, my daughter with my wife in terms of uh, to be courageous and to be patient. And for me, this is two words that are really important to move forward. And nowadays, I am the only black. Hopefully, I'm gonna be, uh, I won't be the only, uh, only one because uh, I know that there is a lot of black people and uh, Hispanic people really good. But now this is, I hope that, and I can see it in America, that uh, we are more open-minded about this. But if I can do something to help my community to, to move forward, to do it, I will do it, no doubt, no doubt. But I'm really proud of that for sure. Wilfred, that's incredibly inspiring. You used the word specifically patience. You started at the academy. You were an assistant coach for what, four, five seasons? And then yes, you got sir, your opportunity, right? Oh, even more yeah. then. How, when, yeah. when, when did that bug bite you? You said, hey, you know what? I don't want to be an assistant anymore. I, 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 I'm good enough to be a head coach of an MLS team. Um, I'm confident, but humble. 
and uh, I knew that one day I would become a coach because uh, b before, uh, when I started to be an assistant coach, in my mind, I had the, the coach like uh, a person that he knows everything. And at the same time, he has to be good on one specific task, uh, the tactical elements. But I was wrong. I was wrong and I saw, uh, I have the pleasure to work with a lot of coaches and every coach is had something specific. So what I've learned about this is uh, I needed to know a lot of things. Uh, I needed to be expert on a lot of things, but I needed also to be also open and to be uh, vulnerable because I don't know everything. So the idea is to be like this and to be patient because I know that one day my, uh, my moment will come and this is what happened. I don't have a, a, a clear plan about what I want to do in the future because I'm not like that. I know what I want to do. I have a clear vision, but I don't know when it's going to happen. So that's why I try to control what I can control, try to be good every day. When this is difficult, uh, this is not the end of the world. And when this is good, try to enjoy it. And after that, we'll see. But this is the way I live and this is the way I am as a person. Uh, well, last question for me, Wilford. You got a tough Orlando City matchup coming up. Uh, they they've been really in form as of late. How do you see your side lining up against them tactically? Are, are they going to be, you know, is there going to be some changes from from your squad, or do you feel that you have an identity? We're just going to go out there and and play better and execute. In terms of the way you're going to play, it won't change because I was upset against um, the way we played. Uh, the second game against Atlanta because we were not front foot and we conceded four goals. So this is the way we play. We know that at, what, at one moment we will not have the ball and it's going to be difficult. So the idea is to be good together, to defend. If we have to be low block, we're going to be low block. But, uh, you know, Orlando, this is, they've been really good this, this year and uh, this is not an easy team to play because they are really, they are really good players and also really aggressive. So the key point for me is going to be uh, with my player to be really cold and uh, to have a really good emotional control. We're going to have to play with passion, for sure, because this is the way we play. But at the same time, the emotional control has to be really good because uh, uh, no way game in Orlando, this is not easy. So after that, the way we're going to play, we have different ways to play, different ways to attack. We still have uh, three or four days to, to prepare the game, so, so I'll see. But uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, definitively uh, a really good game. Well, Coach, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us this morning. Best of luck this weekend and uh, continued success. Bonne chance. Thank you. Merci beaucoup. Bye-bye. <laughs> Guys, heck of a show. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What, a, what a Tuesday. What a Tuesday. We did it. Uh, huge thanks to Wilford Nancy for taking the time to join us today. Can we see Charlie again? Guys, we're going to do it Have again tomorrow. <laughs> Have a great day. No. <laughs>